Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to today's Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Paul Healy, who is the CEO of Skillet Ireland. How are you doing, Paul? Ronan, how are you? Great, thanks. Now, before we start, just tell, tell me a bit about your, your background. Yeah, so I'm the Chief Executive of Skillet Ireland. I've been in this role for uh, three years. Um, my background before that role is I worked uh, in multinationals very much in the human resource development area. And um, prior to that, I worked in commercial environments and sales, etc. So, you know, I suppose I've been a combination of uh, strong human resource development and learning development background, plus that commercial background to the role. All right, now tell me uh, what you do now with SkillNow, what it does. Yeah, so Skill in Ireland, we're the national agency and we're responsible for the promotion and the facilitation of upskilling for those who are already in employment. And the way we look at it is that, you know, we have a great competitive strength in our workforce, you know, but we have to constantly work on the upskilling agenda. We have to constantly promote lifelong learning and we have to promote uh, career mobility for everybody. And the work of Skill in Ireland is very much focused on ensuring that the Irish workforce remains robust, resilient and competitive for this complex and challenging world of work that we see before us. So I guess you might have somebody who work, might work for years in a sales environment and suddenly they're out of work and you're going to go and help them uh, gain new IT skills to get new work elsewhere. Yeah, so look, let me just elaborate on the model a little yeah. bit more on it might, might bring, bring it to life for your listeners. So we, we, we are very much a, in, in industry-led uh, agency, government agency, and we work with uh, clusters and with networks of in industries and industry sectors. So, you know, many of the industry sectors that we work with are long established, but other clusters the, uh, we have put together. And I suppose it's, it's, it, there are incredible uh, synergies and value that can be created by bringing clusters of firms that are working on the same agenda or in a similar industry together, and particularly to talk about the skills and the, the talent priorities that they have. So one example that we work with is uh, Technolo- Technology Ireland, uh, one of the leading uh, technology associations for tech firms in, in, in Ireland. And Technology Ireland are providing immense leadership to the skills and the talent uh, agenda for the tech sector in this country, working with small firms, you know, small software houses, right up to many of the large multinationals. And they all participate in various different ways with the Technology Ireland skill net. And they're looking at the skill and the talent requirements and priorities and where the next pipeline of skills is going to come to for the tech sector in a very strategic way, two, three, four years down the, down the road. And to give you an example, a specific example, and I might bring it to life a little bit more for the listeners, is uh, Technology Ireland Skillnet have been leading in the area of AI in particular and developed the country's first master's in artificial intelligence and this was done in partnership with the uh, University of Limerick and uh, iTech uh, in, um, uh, who provide the, uh, the supercomputer for it. So, you know, so many, many ways you could look at it and say, well, is that a simple thing just to produce a master's? It's not. It's highly complex. It requires intense industry collaboration. Uh, we brought 40 companies to the table to exchange requirements on what is a very rich and complex area, of course, artificial intelligence. And we worked with an industry, or sorry, with an academic partner in the University of Limerick who were able to interpret those requirements and convert it into a master's. And that master's now is getting serious traction across across the country. It's available in, in a number of locations. And it will be an important component 
artificial intelligence ecosystem that we're building in this country. And we've a very good shot, Ronan, at being a global leader in this space. But the, the, the need for a postgrad qualification for a master's was a key component in those various enabling points that were needed. Yeah, and also, do you guys actually ever work with, uh, with Springboard? Uh, not, not, not so much. So Springboard is an initiative under the government, of course, and it's promoted through the Department of Education and Skills. And we very much work with the industry. And so, you know, whereas the Springboard program is more directed towards individuals, you know, people who want reskill and employment, yeah. and particularly job seekers who who are trying to uh, get back into employment and using, uh, you know, higher education to do so. But we're very much focused on working with industry, working with those who are already in employment, but doing so by working through industry clusters and uh, industries uh, sectors and uh, the industry associations. And the, the, the way we do that is very much saying to industry, saying you are the ones that are closest to what the needs are. You know, you understand what training your staff need. You understand what sort of innovation needs to happen for your sector. So you propose that to us as an industry and we will look at it. We'll ensure that it is aligned to the bigger challenges that government is trying to uh, uh, deal with and trying to uh, create solutions for. And we will provide funding to the industry associations and the business clusters, but on a cost-sharing basis. That, that's an important point, Ronan, that yeah. you know, the employers contribute to the SkillNet program, but so too does, does, does the government and state through, through a cost-sharing approach. And that brings a lot of value because the burden is shared, but it also creates a lot of quality in the type of programs that are developed through SkillNet because the employers themselves have such a big stake in it. If the government basically is investing in, in, in a project that has already uh, been a kind of the uh, big big businesses invested in that they're saying want you to invest in like AI and machine learning and the government's investing that with them, they know it's going to be a success because industry is telling them these are areas we should be focusing on. Correct. And one is your observation there is, is is key because in an industry led way, you know, it's coming in many ways. It's coming straight from the horse's mouth, if you like. You know, so the, the, you know, in, in in an industry led model such such as the skillnet model, so you're talking directly to firms. So I, I spend my time with companies, and everything that we do begins and ends with with companies. So we allow companies to and industry sectors to control the process. We allow to determine what their training needs are for themselves and for their staff and for their employees, not just in the as-is, but also in the to-be and thinking about what they need in terms of future skills, etc. And we support projects and proposals that, that are made to us uh, and we, we help and enable and promote best practice and promote, I suppose, quality and value for money and impact in terms of the programs that are coordinated through SkillNet. And I guess the best thing is you make sure the good money isn't wasted because there's no point skilling somebody up on a career that there won't be jobs for. So you make sure the money is spent the right way. Yeah, and I suppose, I suppose we need to step back from that a bit and, 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 and to look, Ronan, at the broader context. So, you know, this is a cliche, but it's the truest cliche that you'll ever hear in relation to Ireland. Ireland is a small, open economy. And as such, we are vulnerable to the global, the global megatrends, more so than larger, more robust economies, our European partners, etc. You know, and there are two particular global megatrends that are shaping and defining the, the, the future forest run and what the modern workplace, the future workplace is going to look like. The first of those is technology, of course, and I'm going to elaborate on that in, in, in one second, but the other is demographics. Yeah. And when I think about demographics, the biggest demographic factor that's going to shape the future for you and I and for 
the next generation, etc., is increased life expectancy. We're living longer, which is very positive. But the pension system is under strain as a result. So the implications for that is much longer careers. So it's important that all of us, you know, individuals and companies and government begin to prepare people for a long life of work. And it's a long life of work in the context of, you know, a period of technological technological disruption that humanity has never seen before. So therefore, constant upskilling, you know, retraining, career management, and really preparing yourself for the digital transformation on an individual level would be vital for all of us and for companies as well. And then just t- turning to technology, you know, and obviously it's a technology podcast at, at its heart, but, you know, if you look at technology and the role of technology, every leap forward in work and every leap forward in human endeavor has been enabled by technology in some way or other. You know, often we think this is this is new to, new to us. It's not. It's established and it goes right back to the first farmers. I think what's different about it this time is two factors. Yeah. One is, is pace. So the speed at which technology is diffusing into work, the speed of disruption of technology into work is nothing like we've seen in the past. And much of that is to do with automation, artificial intelligence, uh, robotics and cobotics. But in a more nuanced insight, it's the economies of scale are plain English. It's how cheap now these technologies have come to uh, to be deployed into work, and for much much more attractive for companies to start to, to to use these. The second is the pervasive nature of tech. So we see it reaching into industries, reaching into jobs, reaching into tasks at an extent that we haven't seen seen before. Now we could look at that and we could get spooked, and we could say, okay, you know. The machines are coming for our jobs, etc. But I think those types of notions and assumptions need to be challenged. And the reason is every leap forward in work has been enabled by technology. You know, and the net outlook for jobs is actually positive in that when technology comes and comes into industry, it actually releases growth, it releases potential. You know, resources can be deployed to other areas, etc. But it's all about our responses. And it's all about the, the openness, the willingness, and the capability of industry, government, and the individuals to respond to digital transformation and, you know, to become a lifelong learner and to adapt to this new world of work and this new uh, uh, technological reality that we're seeing in the workplace. Yeah, and I guess you could say as well that when machines are coming into the workplace, they're going to feel to do the work they should be doing and not leaving you with the mundane tasks. Yeah, and look, that, that's, that's the, the, the trend. You know, what, what we're seeing with uh, AI in particular is, you know, this uh, hollowing out of the middle. You know, so it, it, it's going for the types of tasks that require reasonably low co- cognitive processing, you know, and that are reasonably easy to substitute with automation and, and, and AI. You know, but the, 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 the and, and the reality is, and I suppose there's a very kind of adult conversation that's needed on this, you know, tasks will be replaced by AI and by uh, automation and by cobots and robots. That's true. By extension, jobs will be replaced, you know, so, so certain jobs and certain tasks won't exist. However, new jobs that don't exist today will be created but, and also resources will be released as a result of AI and automation that will be 
you know, those resources can then be allocated to other productive areas to allow for further growth, etc. But, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I was in a, a, a site visit in a particular multinational in Cork that I won't name, and they took us uh, uh, onto the floor. And it was, it was a very basic uh, robotic process, which was about packaging uh, the product into boxes uh, for shipping. Yeah. But the plant director was able to tell me, previously between shift work, etc., there was 12 people full-time associated on, on that particular process. All 12 of those have been redeployed to other parts of the, of the factory in more complex, higher value jobs, which will command a better salary for them and a better standard of living as they go through their careers. But the key intervention was reskilling. Mm-hmm. So those individuals were allowed an opportunity to be redeployed to another area, to move to another, another uh, job, but were trained in the process. And that is a really good example of how growth can be released and how new value can be created through technology. And not only that, of course, the automation improved the efficiency of the actual packaging process, made the shipping times uh, neater, etc. And also, if someone's doing that kind of boring job day in, day out, they're going to make mistakes. Whereas if it's done by machine, there's no mistakes because the machine is doing the job it's supposed to do, and nothing else. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, the, um, you know, and I suppose that, that, that starts to, 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 to ask another question, Ronan, and that is the, the, this interaction in work between uh, humans and machines. You know, so re- research that was done by the World Economic Forum, who, who applied a lot of leadership to the future of work agenda, they analyzed the mix between technology and the human input in the modern job. And in aggregate terms, looking across various jobs in different, in different sectors, it's something like 70-30 at the moment. So 30% of our jobs are done by technology stroke algorithms. And when I mean things like Google searches when I talk about algorithms. And 70% is the human component. What's really interesting is that will flip over the next five to 10 years. So we will see 70% of the jobs done by technology and the algorithm and 30% done by the human intervention. But but the human intervention then becomes center stage. And those are what I call the uniquely human skills. These are the skills that we bring to a job, that we bring to our work, that machines can't do for now, and I don't believe machines will ever be able to do. So I'm talking about skills like creativity, collaboration, um, commercial awareness, strategic thinking, empathy, etc. So these are skills that are uniquely human, and I think where value will be created or co-created will be through jobs of the future that I would describe as high-touch and high-tech. So our, our future jobs should look like that. So I think it's important that employers promote these uniquely human skills. I think, Ronan, we need, we need to stop calling them soft skills because yeah. they're not soft. There's nothing soft about commercial awareness. There's nothing soft about resilience. There's nothing soft about creativity. These are actually quite hard skills. These are skills that take a long time to, to be good at. And these are skills that are lived in many ways and are very experiential. So I think it's important that we promote these because jobs of the future, as I said, will be that blend between high touch and high tech. Yeah, because a certain skill, like, for example, as a journalist, there's certain robots that can, can AI, that give them data, they can create your story, but they cannot do a podcast, for example. So there's always certain skills that you've got to have a human to do. Absolutely. Look, I think that's a good example. You know, um, if you just look at the conversation that we're having here, you know, there uh, there is a lot of on-the-moment decisions being made. You know, there is human connectedness that has to happen in a conversation like this. You know, there is listening, there's empathy, etc. has to happen in order to produce a decent quality interview. And machines 
can't do that. I don't believe they can at the moment, and I'm not sure if they ever will. So that human intervention will be will will remain absolutely critical. But that human intervention is about uniquely human skills and those those skills that machines cannot do. So I think they are the skills that will be most prized into the future. Yeah, okay. So tell me more about what IT skills employers are looking for. Yeah, so it's 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 across, across a range. Um, I suppose we, you need to look when we say employers. I think we we just we probably need to look at it in a more nuanced way. So we I think about the categories of employers. You know, so you know if we're to look at the tech sector or if we look at firms, small and large, that have a significant tech reliance or require a significant level of of uh, functional support to technology. So here's what we're seeing, and here are the main areas that we're targeting in Ireland. There are artificial intelligence, data analytics, uh, robotics and automation, gaming, blockchain, uh, Internet of Things, 3D printing, and cybersecurity in particular. So those are the areas and the the, the skill sets and the jobs of the future that Skill in Ireland are very much focused on. That is what we've been charged by government in the ICT Action Plan, um, the, the, which is the uh, latest, uh, the third successive plan, uh, basically technology skills 2022 is what it's called, and it's the third iteration of the ICT Action Plan. But Skill in Ireland have been charged with delivering uh, skills, delivering programs, and really taking ownership of that, that those particular disciplines. And equally in the future job strategy that was launched by Antish Duck on, on Sunday, which is, which is a, a powerful statement of intent from government to really look to the future and what future jobs are going to look like. And we've been charged in that particular government strategy with leading on those same um, those same areas. But we're also looking at, I suppose, uh, the digital transformation in a more broad context to say it's not just about, you know, those high-end uh, tech skills. You know, this is also about readying firms and particularly small firms, running for the digital transformation. And, you know, the extent to which small firms and employees and small firms are adopting to new technologies in Ireland is actually quite low. Yeah. So the, the, the challenge that we have is to ensure that our indigenous SMEs, our small firms in this country, our Irish small firms, which employ 800,000 people, by the way, it's a very significant minority of the workforce that work in, sm- in small firms. And the productivity of our firms is stagnating versus the large multinationals and the, the major corporations that are based here. And SME productivity is actually stagnating Europe-wide. So it's not just unique, unique to Ireland. So the, the challenge there, Ronan, is how do we ensure that we make our SMEs adaptive to new technology, that they embrace new technology, and that the people employed in small firms are, are resilient, are adaptive, can move with this new technology and become lifelong learners. And it's, it's important that we do that so that we avoid a two-tier sort of um, society or, or two-tier sort of economy where you have people who work in the large multinationals and the large corporations and then everybody else. You know, so core focus for us is supporting small firms with the digital transformation in particular, you know, even at the basic level of digital literacy and moving right up the value chain to your cybersecurity and right up to PhD level in, 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 in disciplines such as AI and others that we're working towards. I guess basically also you're making sure that people who are getting these new skills are given the skills that they know they can do and not suddenly get one where they're overawed and think, I can't do this. Like, for example, if you have somebody and you tell them you're going to be a cybersecurity expert, but they're more likely to just want to be involved in social media. 
you make sure you train them in schools that they know they can do. Yeah, look, I think there's, there's two parties to that. So, you know, the, the, the learner, or in this case the employee, is, 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 is the most important stakeholder. You know, so each of us, you know, are responsible, I suppose, for, for deciding the career path that we want to go down and deciding, you know, how we want to make that happen, whether it's through lifelong learning or whether it's through education, re-education, whatever it may be. The employer is also a key stakeholder, in, not only in terms of the business objectives the employer is trying to achieve for, the, for his or herself, but also in engaging and supporting and developing that that huge resource that they have in their own doorstep, which of course is their own staff. Mm-hmm. You know, so it has to be a two-way street. I think it has to be employee-led and employer-led, where there's a conversation happening between both parties to say, here's what the organization needs, but here's also what I need in terms of my career path. And working together, how can we realize that? And, mm-hmm. you know, that would ensure that, you know, the person is doing the type of program, the type of upskilling that is appropriate for them, but also appropriate for the work that they're doing in a given firm. Okay, thanks very much for that, Paul, and uh, have a great day and, and uh, good luck with Skills in Ireland. Okay, very much. Thank you very much, Ronan, and uh, enjoy the interview. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Bye. bye, bye.